Well, hey, good morning, Life Church. It's really, really great to have each one of you here with us today. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. I know there's a lot of other things that uh, you could potentially be doing if you're watching this live at 9.30 in the morning or maybe you're watching a replay. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to worship with us, uh, to grow in your spiritual life, and uh, to just trust Jesus a little bit more today than you did yesterday. And so thank you uh, for being with us. I'm going to let you know about a great event that's coming up on Thursday night on May 7th. Uh, the National Day of Prayer. This is the, the typical time that we celebrate that across our nation. And this year is no different. Uh, but the way we're going to be doing it is a little bit different this year. And we're going to be offering, uh, along with many other churches here in the Valley and organizations, an online prayer experience. And you'll see the information on the screen. You can also find it at lifechurchutah.com. And we want to invite everybody to participate in this. It'll be a, just a large online Zoom call. You'll be hearing from uh, some of our local authorities and other special guests, as well as a bunch of pastors, myself included, uh, praying over different areas of our valley, some of the needs that we have in our community. And I just want to personally invite you to be a part of uh, this incredible night on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Can't wait uh, to be there with you. Ravi Zecharias, uh, who many of you may know as a uh, great apologetic of the Word of God and, and of Christian faith, he, he has this to say. He said, when somebody says, why trust the Bible? He responds, why not trust the Bible? And then he goes on to encourage people when they say, well, I don't, I don't know, and to go out and to read the Bible for themselves and then make a, a judgment call as to whether or not you trust the Bible. And that would be my encouragement to you in this today as we talk about in our series, Can I Ask That? Uh, this major question that we have when it comes to our faith. Can I trust the Bible? Even here in Utah, where there's really a very religious foundation that we have, there are questions about the Bible, questions about other spiritual uh, readings or uh, spiritual books as well. Uh, but in particular, the Bible. What part does the Bible have to play in the way that we live our lives? Does it matter now? And then that ultimate big question, can I trust the Bible? And then second thing that he says is that uh, lots of people have bought into the popular assumptions and myths about the Bible. And so if somebody suggests that the Bible is unreliable, then here's a great question to ask them. Just say, how is it unreliable? In, in what particular way is it unreliable? because that would then assume that they have read the Bible and come up to the conclusion that something is unreliable about it. So I actually agree with uh, Ravi Zacharias uh, when it comes to these big issues uh, concerning, uh, can I trust the Bible? That so many people have an opinion about the Bible without ever having actually read it for themselves. And so today we're gonna take a look at the Bible in, in a couple of different directions. Now, we're not going to answer every question that you might have about the Bible, its origin, how it came to be in the current form that we have it. We're, we just won't have time to go through that. But I'm going to hit just a couple of highlights from two uh, basically different directions. The first one is kind of the external uh, evidence that's out there. Just uh, what does the world say about the Bible? What, you know, kind of how has the Bible uh, come to be and uh, how do we uh, interact with it? Uh, and what does the Bible say about itself? And then the other side is, uh, and this is the part that really excites, both of these areas excite me, but this other one uh, really excites me, is um, how the, the Bible is not just something that we agree with, but it's something that transforms our lives. And so how do we navigate reading the Bible so that it does truly transform our lives? 
I have here uh, sitting on my desk here uh, is uh, a Bible that I got from my wife, and she's going to laugh that I showed this. Uh, I got it. Uh, she gave it to me uh, on our wedding day uh, to Richard Arthur Wooten, May 23rd, 1992. And uh, such a great gift, and it's been a treasure for me uh, for, for many, many years. I also have another Bible uh, that I've got here, and this is from, uh, I believe, about 1800. And it's a Bible that uh, has a... Uh, has a typographical mistake in it in uh, one of the sections, and uh, maybe if you join us uh, for uh, the the kind of the live question and response, if you join us after the service, I'd love to uh, talk to you a little bit more about that. Uh, but the Bible has been around for for uh, really thousands of years in different forms, and then really hundreds of years in the current form uh, that we have now. And so, what I want to do first of all is take a look at three different uh, tests or different angles that we can look at the Bible. Uh, the first one is the, and these are big words, this is a big word here, the bibliographic test. And all that this is, is it looks at ancient manuscripts of the Bible and asks this question, is whether the Bible that we have today is the same as the original? In other words, what was written back in uh, 100, or in, you know, uh, 45 AD or 1500 BC is what we have today, an accurate representation of what was actually written. And one thing that I can tell you is that, yes, absolutely, what we have, uh, and when we read the Word today, what we have is an accurate representation. And how do we know this? Well, um, one of the things that we have is that the Bible has always been a very, very important document. And so people have taken great care with it through the centuries to make sure that what they copy and uh, write down is exactly what they read, because it is so important to them. And so we know that through the process of, uh, of copying and copying and copying, uh, that we have uh, very, very uh, accurate representations of what the Word of God says, because we keep finding older and older documents. In fact, this one example that uh, you have here on your screen is from about 100 AD. What that means is that uh, there very well could have been eyewitnesses to Jesus himself, along with certainly the disciples, uh, when this manuscript was written. 100 AD, just, uh, just a couple of decades after Jesus ascended and into heaven. And so we know, and as we have found thousands upon thousands, in fact, um, we have uh, 350 uh, Syriac copies, which date to the 400s. And yeah, I'm going to go through some academic stuff here. Uh, we have 5,000 Greek manuscripts, and all of them point to the reality that what we have is accurate. And really, nearly the entire New Testament can be quoted by the early church fathers. We have uh, 32,000 uh, quotations uh, that exist before um, about 325 AD. They can almost reconstruct the entire New Testament and the even parts of the Old Testament as well. And so we know that on the bibliographic text or a test, which is kind of that uh, really uh, scientific side of it, that yes, the Bible that we have today is absolutely reliable and trustworthy. Another part is the, uh, what is called the internal test. This test asks whether we can determine whether the, the documents that we have before us was written by eyewitnesses. So these sources are all very early, and uh, many uh, scholars date the Gospels, the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, to the 60s and 70s AD. Some argue that the book of Mark uh, might be written as early as the 30s AD. And most of our timelines would show that Jesus perhaps ascended in about the year 33 AD or somewhere around there, which means the book of Mark 
as an eyewitness account could have been written just a couple of years after Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again. Um, we also have Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament uh, by volume. Um, he, uh, his letters are dated between A.D. 48 and 65, and so these are very, very close to the time when all of these things about Jesus were actually happening and still had eyewitnesses that could debunk things that were being written. And yet we have them, accurate copies of what was written back then. It's just astounding. And so the internal test is passed. And then the final one here is external. Um, and this external evidence is what, what do we see in the world around us that would say, yes, the, the Bible is accurate and what we have is uh, actually uh, good history. And it has uh, things that are mentioned in the Bible that we can actually go to and point to and find. Now, I've been to, uh, to the Holy Land, been to uh, Jerusalem and many places around there and seen with my own eyes uh, some of the incredible finds uh, that are directly from the Bible. And so this external test is this idea of external evidence uh, for the Bible, and in particular, it's archaeology. Just a couple of examples uh, for us to uh, kind of look at. Acts chapter 17, uh, beginning of verse 6 through 8, uh, Luke uses this word uh, politarch. And Polytarch was a designation for a leader, and he, he um, uh, points out there, and this is um, of the city officials in Thessalonica, and the word doesn't appear in classical Greek, uh, and, and people didn't know what this word was, and so many people pointed and said, well, Luke, you made a mistake. But archaeologists actually discovered a first century arch in that town that uses the word Polytarch. And so Luke, as a great historian, was proven to be true. Um, and uh, people were very surprised by that. Other people being critical in, in Acts chapter 18, they took a look at Luke again, and he wrote the word proconsul, uh, describing a guy by the name of Gallio. And um, this word didn't appear in Greek literature up to the time, and people were going, well, Luke made another mistake. This is a word that doesn't exist, and so Luke doesn't know what he's talking about, and people were looking for ways uh, to discount what Luke had written about the early church and really about Jesus. Uh, but in, um, in, uh, in the, uh, I think it was in the 50s or so, an inscription was found at Delphi dating to A.D. 51. So about the time that Luke was writing about in A.D. 51, uh, they found the term proconsul as well as the name Gallio used on the same, uh, same stella, which is a, a rock or stone that was carved into both those words used together of somebody that Luke himself mentions in the Bible. Just fascinating. And there's actually a similar story with other gospel writers. In uh, John chapter 5, um, John writes about the pool in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, uh, called in Hebrew Bethesda, which has five porticos. Um, up till the 20th century, nobody had found this in Jerusalem and all the excavations that have happened. And so people were going, well, of course, they're making this up, new history that doesn't exist. Uh, but in 1930, this pool was uncovered by archaeologists, complete with four colonnades around the edges and then one across the middle. So exactly what John had written, that there was, by the Sheep Gate, uh, a pool called Bethesda, which has five porticos. So once again, uh, this external evidence shows itself to be true and that what we have in the Word of God is absolutely reliable. Now, I don't want to just be stuck on the intellectual side of things. Now, don't get me wrong. I 
thoroughly enjoy this intellectual study. I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, digging deep. I'm a big fan of um, all the external evidences and learning about archaeology and how it supports the Bible. Um, but there's more to this idea of trusting the Bible than just those external things that happen. Uh, just uh, learning that, yeah, archaeology supports it, or man, there's a lot of manuscript evidence for the Bible to be trustworthy. Because really, when somebody asks, can I trust the Bible, what the ultimate question is getting to is this idea of, can I trust the Bible with my life? Can I trust what's written in the Bible to actually be meaningful to me today, to actually be something that I need to live my life by today? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about us and a lot to say about the story of God. And in fact, that really is, it sums up what the Bible is actually about, is, is the story of God and our story uh, coinciding and colliding together at times, struggling at times. And yet in the end, we find out that God has a plan. So if the Bible is trustworthy, then it should say something to us that we can apprehend, something that we can grab a hold of and then apply to our life. A book that cannot be accessible to us is not relevant. And so is the Bible accessible to us? When we read it, can we understand it? Um, so the Bible makes claims about itself, about God, about humanity, about life, about faith, about spiritual things, about uh, physical things. It's about our world. Um, and it can be studied and application can be made for the Word of God for us today. So I'm a fan of reading instructions. And some people have referred to the Bible as a... Uh, um, basic instructions before leaving earth, I think is what somebody said once, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. Uh, and sometimes those instructions can seem quite complicated for simple results. If you've ever built anything from Ikea, have you ever done that before? You get the box and the box is incredibly heavy and you put it down and you open it up and you have all these parts uh, that are there and then a bag filled with parts and it feels super complicated. Maybe it looks like uh, what's on your screen right now with all of these arrows and lines and you're trying to figure out what it is and in the end it makes something very simple. In the case of what you see on the screen, just a box with all of these other instructions. So is the Bible like this? Is the Bible super complicated and yet we've wrapped it in simplicity because we can't understand it and so we try to oversimplify it, making it difficult to trust? And I got to tell you, there are some difficult things in the Bible. If you've ever done any reading of it, and I hope you have, and I encourage you to, and at the very end, we'll make kind of that commitment to there. Uh, there are some very difficult things that are written in the Bible. If you've read it at all, you'll find out that there are some difficult things to understand. Not just reading it is difficult, um, but understanding what's being written in the Bible can be difficult as well. You see, it was finished nearly 2,000 years ago. Uh, the current form that we have uh, about 1600 years ago or so. It was written over a 1500 year span by many different authors. And so the context of the Bible so long ago for us um, and the cultures are foreign to us and they can be confusing, but it's deserving of study. In fact, I believe it's safe to say that the Bible is the most studied book that has ever been written because it's been studied since the Old Testament, studied in the New Testament all the way up till now. And it's withstood the test of time. It's withstood skepticism, not just because it's accurate in history and all details. It's withstood that test because the Bible is transformational. 
Let me say that again. It's withstood the test of time because the Bible is transformational. When you read it, something changes within you. When we read the Bible, we're hit immediately with the uncomfortable reality that we as humans are in a tough spot because we find out that we are not perfect. Pointing right here to me, I'm not perfect. I'm looking at you as well. And, and uh, if you're there with somebody in the room with you watching this, turn to them and say, you're not perfect. And don't let them get off, get off the hook, right? Uh, none of us are perfect. And when we read the Bible, we recognize that and we see deep within us that there are some real problems that we've embraced. Yet in the midst of the story of humanity and our failing, we also encounter the presence of God at every turn. This God who is creator, this God who engages with us, this God who is deeply moved by our predicament, this God who is powerful, this God who is forgiving, this God who is merciful, this is who we read about in the Bible. And this is the God that I love reading about because when I, when I read the Bible and I see reflected in the Bible my humanity on full display, I also see God on full display revealed in Jesus Christ. And this is that unified story from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. Every page that you turn, every story that you read, every, uh, every parable, which we'll be studying in the, in the month of June, by the way, every parable that we read, every uh, allegory, every illustration, every uh, narrative, every poem, every song is pointing one direction. That God is restoring relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the big story. That's what you see over and over again. So God is restoring relationship with his creation through his love found fully in Jesus Christ. And so every time you open up the word of God, you find Jesus staring right back at you. So in order to do this, God shows his passion for his creation over and over again. This is the Bible. So in the book um, by Walter Kaiser, Recovering the Unity of the Bible, he has a chapter that deals head-on with the problem of humanity. And he begins to talk about this, this problem that humanity has, and of the Old Testament in particular, and the New Testament generally, uh, humans are revealed to be, and this is, a, this is kind of an ugly list, so I'm going to go ahead and just read this for you. Because when you read the Bible, this is at times what you're going to see, humanity on display. What we see there are liars, murderers, adulterers, people that cursed children, married harlots, committed incest. At times were totally lawless. They sought revenge. This is broken humanity on full display. And when we read the Bible, we find ourselves, maybe not to some of those extremes that I just read, but we find ourselves. And we are encouraged by one thing that we also read. God never gives up. He never gives up on you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. A tenacious God on every page that's rooting for us, encouraging us, challenging us, transforming us because 
He loves us. He's wild about us. And that's what we see in every page. So, what does the Bible reveal about itself when we read it? What does the Bible reveal about itself that, uh, that we will find true when we read it? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 says this. And so, reading the Bible is not for the faint of heart. Uh, let me just say this again a little bit differently. Reading the Bible is for everybody. But when we read it, we've got to understand that it's not for the faint of heart. Because listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. That rest is this idea of uh, God's wholeness and God's completeness that on the seventh day he rested. And so we as the people of God also have a rest waiting for us. Um, so let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Uh, the author of Hebrews was uh, kind of going story after story after story of the disobedience of the nation of Israel and people in general. Then verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give accounts. When we read the Bible, this is the hard part about reading it. When we read the Bible, our hearts are revealed. The Word of God digs in deeply into our, into our lives and begins to reveal our motivations, begins to reveal those dark areas of our life that uh, we'd like to hide. But when we read, God says, hey, I love you. Let me tell you about Jesus because you're going to find him in page after page after page. So many of you have turned to the Bible in the season of uncertainty. I've seen the scriptures on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and uh, even TikTok and places like that. Uh, we've, we've seen those, that outcry, right? Uh, many of you read uh, or, or work with a Bible app, and so there's a, a verse of the day, and then you, um, you post that onto social media, and it becomes an encouragement for you. Uh, many of you have prayed the words of the Bible. You've written them on post-it notes and put them on refrigerators and in your car, or places that you can see it, put it uh, in the bathroom window when you're fixing yourself in the morning. Um, you've memorized the words. You've repeated them in darkness when you feel isolated and alone. You've prayed the words of God over your children. And you've found them to be, uh, uh, to be able to give you solace. You found them to be able to build faith when you are faithless. You found these words of God to provide hope for you when you're hopeless. When you're fearful, you find uh, the word of God breaking down walls in your life. The words of God have been offered to you as strength in your times of weakness. And all of the words point to Jesus. Every one of them. If you want to know God, read the Bible. And what you're going to see revealed in the Bible is Jesus, the Son of God. And so I want to answer the question that I asked at the very, very beginning. Can I trust the Bible? One word, yes. 
Yeah, it's a resounding yes for all the evidence that's external, all the evidence that's internal, plus the transformation of lives that we can point to whenever we read the Bible. Yes, the Bible can be trusted. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you don't have a Bible yourself, most of you who are watching right now are watching on a device or a computer, uh, which means you have access to the internet. Internet is filled with Bibles. Uh, some of my favorites would be found on Bible.com. Lots of different translations, lots of different versions uh, are available there. Uh, you can also go to BibleGateway.com. That's another fantastic resource that also has studies available for you as well. Many places have devotions that you can uh, plug into. I know that our women are going to be uh, starting one here very soon, and we've got a, a, a lots of options that you can go on from great uh, spiritual fathers and mothers uh, in our life that have uh, prepared devotions. So I'd encourage you to get a Bible. If you also don't have a Bible, um, you can uh, make your way here to uh, Life Church uh, Utah and uh, go to our website. You can find our address. And if you stop by during normal office hours, 9 a.m. to noon right now during this, uh, this strange season that we're in, uh, we would love to give you a Bible as well. Um, so here's what I want to do. I want to pray over you and ask God's blessing as you read the Word of God, as you allow it to come uh, close and deep into your life uh, so that, um, man, just God's blessing can be on this time in your own life. And so, God, I thank you for the people of God. Lord, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to explore a little bit about your word. God, there is so much more to, uh, to your word than what we've uh, discovered today. Um, and so, God, I pray your blessing upon each person that picks up your word. Each person looks at it on their smart device or that they go to it on the internet. God, wherever they're discovering your word, Lord, let it come alive. Lord, let it be that as they read the word of God, that it goes to the joints and marrows, goes to the dividing of heart and soul. It goes to the motivations or digs deep into our lives. And God, every time we read your word, let it be uh, that we realize it's pointing to Jesus. And so Lord, we commit ourselves to your word. We commit ourselves, God, to uh, reading it and letting it come alive and, and applying it to our lives and being challenged and transformed by it. And God, if somebody is there who for the very first time is picking up your word, for the very first time going to a website or going to, uh, going to the Bible app, Lord, let your word um, uh, give to them hope. Let your word give to them strength. God, let your word uh, keep them from fear in their life and let them turn wholeheartedly to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And God, we give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to close with one scripture verse and then an encouragement. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17 says this, Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, and for training character, so that the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. When you read the word, you're getting equipped to do what God has called you to do. And as Life Church, the one thing, the one main thing God has called us to do is that we can lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. And that means that we are a people of the word because that's where we're going to find Jesus most. Folks, it's really been great to be with you. Don't forget, following this time, I just want to give you a personal invitation. Uh, when this live feed ends, uh, we're going to be going uh, pretty quickly there in just a couple of minutes to another live feed where myself and Pastor Eric are going to be uh, answering questions that you might have about the Bible. 
So you can take a couple of minutes here or maybe during the message you had some questions that popped up. Maybe you're skeptic and you're watching this and say, man, I've got this question about this part of the Bible. Uh, please, uh, and when we go live in just a couple of minutes, we would love to see you. If you're watching this on rerun after the original at 9.30 a.m. on uh, May 3rd, uh, then we won't be going live after the service. So this is immediately following this live feed at 9.30 a.m. on May 3rd. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we're just praying for you, praying the Lord uh, continues to hasten the healing in our valley and the Lord would guide us to those who don't know him. God bless you guys.